to the Better Golf Podcast, where betters go to bet better. Here are your hosts, Tee Off Sports and Sticks Picks. Better Golf Pod Nation, we are back after an extended break and are excited to be here with you for the first event of the PGA Tour season in Hawaii. If you aren't doing so already, we hope you will consider signing up for Underdog Fantasy, where you can play and hold real money drafts against either friends or random opponents. You can sign up today with the code BGP to get a 100% match bonus of up to $100 in total and have the chance to compete against Nick and I in weekly tournaments that we will hold against all of our listeners. Uh, Nick and I have been pushing very hard for full week contests. That is something that should be around the corner, so keep an eye out for that. All of the tournaments that we will put out there will get an enhanced prize pool that will be of various amounts from the pot for, for this show. So don't miss out on all the fun. Nick, how are you doing, man? Long time, no talk for us here. Yeah, we are back. Go back in golf talk, which I didn't think I'd ever say I'm like super excited for, but I'm super excited for it. NFL has been complete hit or miss for me this year. And last year's DFS in golf was just kind of a, a nightmare. As you saw from my results, my number 10 ROI player was uh, break even. So, and then you saw how much money I lost on Tony Finau. So I'm excited to find out who the villains are for my DFS lineups this year. Um, but overall betting has been, been really solid in NFL, like the player prop model, everything that we've been doing over at wind daily sports has been awesome. But yeah, like you touched on underdog, we are pushing so hard. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised we haven't got yelled at, you know, I love everybody there that we've been working with, but have been very clear that, you know, players want full week tournaments and, you know, bigger prize pools or, or not bigger prize pools, but bigger contests, um, custom size drafts and everything like that for private contests. So I am really excited about where this product can go, but Let's get back to our roots, talk some DFS, talk some of our bets. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this year. I think just in general, like this week is always fun for me, especially with a larger field than what we're used to, just because it's night golf. You know, you get home from work if you're on the East Coast, Midwest, probably even out where you're at, it's probably getting dark when they're getting ready to tee off. But there's just nothing like night golf. You turn on the TV, it's Hawaii. They're going to show the humpback whales or whatever, you know, going through. And then we're going to see some great shots by Scotty Scheffler and his full beard. But I'm excited, Spencer. If you want to start with, uh, you want to start with our bets for the week. Yes, lead us off. All right, I will do it. I don't have any placement wagers this week. Pretty much the hold percentages are just through the roof for me. And again, and a lot of these guys haven't golfed in quite some time. The data size that I've been running is very customized. I don't know if I trust it. So for me, it was just number grabs in the outright market. I know you have a heavy stance on the best player in the world right now. Um, I kind of went down the board a little bit. So I started my card with Jordan Spieth at 26 to one. He is was laid 26 yesterday at Circa. I think that number is gone. I do believe MGM is still laying 25 to one. Uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, 30 to one at MGM. Eric Cole at points bet, 70 to one. I do not like that bet. I talked about it a little bit more. And you could check us out at the, uh, the Action Network Best Bets podcast for more of our thoughts on these tickets per se. But I don't know. It was more of a number grab for me. My numbers seem to think that Eric Cole's a great course fit here. I'm just not an Eric Cole guy. Uh, Cam Davis, probably my favorite ticket. MGM 66 to one. Wyndham Clark to win at 75 to one at Circa. Again, a number grab. And then Harris English. I did get talked into it by Roberto, but you know what? I'm okay with it. I think Harris English is starting to find his form from what we saw at the end of last year. It's 110 to one on points bet. He's obviously won here before. So you got the course history checkbox if you're looking for that. But for me, the most important thing was the driver distance. It was starting to creep up a little bit towards the end of last season. 
making my mind think that he's completely healthy healthy so hopefully that is the case do you have any thoughts on any of those guys just overall and then what do you got for us on the big dog scotty scheffler I think if you can still get 25 to one on Jordan Spieth, and this has been the the sentiment that I have been writing in every single article that I've released probably for the last, I don't know, let's call it 15 hours here. Probably was one of the best values on the board until that thing moved. Very boomer bust profile with Spieth. We know that, but uh, I've consistently been making these comps that Kapalua is the easy version of Augusta National. So if you can tell me that we can get arguably the best player at that venue over the last 10 years at this tournament um, where it's going to be easy. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Spieth has a lot of upside here. It's going to come down to the iron play. If he produces what we saw from him when he won at Kapalua years ago, I think the winner's circle is somewhere that he can land. If we get more of that poor trending form with the irons, I do think he could find some problems, but wide open fairways, that scrambling ability that he possesses, you have to like him for this tournament. I unfortunately couldn't get there just because I went so top heavy at the start with Scotty Scheffler. And you alluded to that a second ago. And it, to me, it's just one of these things that I know we see the price and I got it at six and a half to one when it opened. And we've seen this number drop steadily over the last, you know, 48 hours now uh, from those prices entering the market. But I think it's those one of those situations where when you look at books moving forward and you look at these limited field contests there's going to have to be some adjustment that's going to have to be made at least from a from a i guess mental capacity with it of understanding that well the hold percentages that these books are going to remain very consistent to where they're always at you still have this range where prices are i'm trying to think of the best way to word this to like because books are going to hold the same percentage. That's not where the difference comes into play. I guess it just comes down to like your exposure difference, because if you want to bet Scotty Scheffler at six to one, it's very important that you don't run into these spots where you're overly invested in building out a card in that sort of capacity. So I think for this first initial week for me, just because my numbers were so strong on Scotty, I took it from an eight unit win total down to five. I'm going to try to slowly work in and back test some of these numbers along the way, but I just think Scotty is going to win this event. My math had him proper at four and a half to one. We're starting to get more into that range now to where it's the proper going rate. But, you know, you lose Rom to live. Rory is out for personal reasons. I think a strong argument could be made that if Scotty goes and wins this tournament this week, if you replay this tournament knowing the results, books probably pace Scotty at like three to one to avoid any exposure on him whatsoever. So I thought that six and a half to one price was just way too large for a golfer that did experience a 33 spot improvement for me on these slow Bermuda greens versus the baseline that I have with him. Um, I think that potential to spike is huge. Number one in my model and pretty much every statistical category that I weighed this week, that meant anything. He lapped the field in those areas. And then the one thing that I keep pushing towards that could be the biggest changing thing. And um, you know, even Rick Rungood, I saw him tweet this out, which is a very interesting thing. One golfer last year gained over 100 strokes tee to green. It was Scotty Scheffler who gained 186 strokes tee to green. So it's another area where Scheffler was just in a different world than anybody else. But if all of a sudden he's working with putting guru Phil Kenyon, we saw the putter turn around at the Hero World Challenge. If he is going to make putts, 
I don't think there's a reason why Scotty can't win eight, 10, 12 times this year. I guess it comes down to how many events will he actually play, but you have all these limited field contests over and over again. Nobody has a safer floor than he has, and nobody possesses a higher upside. You see that from pretty much any tournament that you're looking at. Like if I run my data for a difficult course, he is way ahead of the field. If you run it for an easy course, he's way ahead of the field. Just going to come down to how many putts he can make. So I think Scotty ends up winning this tournament. You could probably make an argument that when you grab a guy at six and a half to one, you could stop the card there. But I did decide to grab one more value play. For me, it ended up being a spot where I think speed that 25, 26 to one would be a name that should have been considered maybe a little bit more heavily than I did at the initial opening of it. Speaking um, of real quick, that number is gone. MGM dropped it to 22 to one circus at 22 to one. So 25s are gone. I, I think it's probably, if you're just now tuning in speed, is probably a stay away at that number, right? Like we were, we were inter- I was interested because I was getting, you know, 600 points of value on that ticket. And he's like my chalk ticket, if you will, in the outright market. Now that it's, 200 points of value. I think I'm I'm going to be a hard pass on that. I think when you start chasing value, it becomes difficulty or difficult, especially for a golfer that does have volatility. I still think there's a little bit of value on the number. And it's one of those boards where it's tough to find much value anywhere in any of these sectors of the market. So I think if you want to get involved in it, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots that might have a little bit less of long-term projected uh, ROI for you on it. But um I, I think for me, looking at the board and, and looking at where Spieth was originally, like it would have been Spieth, which number's gone, Tommy Fleetwood, Terrell Hatton, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Those were the value names that I had. And um, if I could redo this, maybe Hatton would have been the route I would have gone. I am locked into a Tommy Fleetwood ticket at 35 to one. Number one in my model when looking at scrambling around the green three putt combination that I ran. Uh, He did jump to third for me when looking for expected strokes gain total. So I think there's value on the surface. Like I I always made this argument about Tony Finau and I lost a lot of money on Tony Finau across the years of chasing this. And I I have never really been Been there. Yes. Yeah. I've never really been a person that's done it with Fleetwood, but like my model seems to believe in, I don't know what wording Nick you would want to use or what wording anybody else wants to use out there. Like, I've called it choke equity before. Like it's the built-in disappointment that is put into the market where guys like Fleetwood and Finau just don't win enough that sometimes you get boosted totals. And then unfortunately with Finau, we reached a point there a couple of years ago. He was like 15, 20, 25 to one in every single field. And he wasn't winning any of these contests. And at some point I had to jump off of it, but I did think Fleetwood in a 59 man contest when I had him at 25 to one and the book opened him at 35 to one, that was the biggest discrepancy that I had in value. So uh, I grabbed that Fleetwood ticket. I think it's a very close difference between like when the numbers released of him, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. I I think if you can number shop where prices are at, that's probably your best bet. I think the Fleetwood price is actually the one that is still most likely to be found in the space because Hatton seems to be getting crushed across the board right now. But um, I don't know. It's an, it's an interesting tournament, Nick, where I can't say there's a ton of value, unfortunately. I'm with it. I think it's, uh, I, I really like your stance. I, I did not consider Scotty Scheffler, but looking at my numbers, it's almost two times implied win probability for Scotty Scheffler than anybody else in the field. I remember you and I talked about this, I think early last year, I forgot who the player was. It was probably Scotty. 
or it may have been John Rahm at the Amex. I don't remember what tournament it was. I should have looked that up, but I think for me, I think let's start, let's go over to DFS real quick. I think Scotty Scheffler is just going to be an autoplay for me. Yeah. I think on an underdog, he's obviously going 1.1 in any draft, especially for the Thursday showdown contest. That's a no brainer for me. I don't really think there's any reason to reinvent the wheel up top. So let's go like 10 K and above. So we got Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland, Scotty Scheffler, I think for me, with a no-cut event, I'm fine just going up to Scotty because, like you said, like he's been in form for two years. Like It's safe to say that, right? His ball yeah. striking, everything about his short game besides the putter has been in form for two years. You mentioned it on Action Network uh, last night. If anything, like the time off helps him because he had time to work with a professional, like one of the best putting coaches that we've seen, you know, work with PGA Tour players of late. So, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Um, in terms of getting different, like I don't think I'm going to play any Victor Hovland. I'm going to take a stand this week. It's a short, you know, there's not a ton of great contests out there in the DFS space this week. It is no cut, and I have not had a great success rate in no cut events. I think similar to you, you kind of like to, especially with your matchups, you like to pick on guys with miscut equity. But Xander Shoffley getting 25% ownership is what I'm seeing, and Victor Hovland right around 20 Scotty Scheffler's right around the same thing. I'm seeing 24 to 28%, depending on what source you look at. I think Scotty Scheffler's just an autoplay up there, and I'm fine fading Xander Shoffley and Victor Hovland because I don't want to play two punts in the 6K range. I think you can if you want to. Again, no cuts, but for me, like down there, some of those guys are absolutely gross. Um, we'll get to that range, but for me, it's since I don't have Scotty exposure in the betting card and he does grade out so well for me, I think Scotty's just going to be my guy. I think you made an interesting point, and it's one of the things that I hear people say throughout the space that I always adamantly disagree with um, from both a game theory perspective and, and I think the proper route to go. You hear limited field contest, 59 players. You hear no cut, which is the key to that equation there. But everybody always wants to say, well, I can grab two guys in the 6,000s. They're going to get points over four days, and I can stack the top. Well, yes, but it doesn't necessarily work out like that when you're trying to win contests. Like you cannot have two players in the 6,000 and one of them comes in 53rd place at the end of right. the day. Like there, there's a certain level of from, from all the answers that I just talked about that it needs to be built in a fashion uh, that you are still trying to put together the most optimal routes and the mo most optimal pass possible. Now, I do think that there are legitimate ways to stack the top of the board and still not end up with two, $6,000 golfers. And I do believe that there are a handful of $6,000 golfers. You're just going to have to be correct on the ones that you pick that you could consider. So it's not even a stance against that. If there are players down there that you like, I guess for me though, more of the problem that comes into play is my model is so much higher on Scotty Scheffler than Victor Hovland or Xander Shoffley that to me, he becomes a shoe and pick that like, I want to go full exposure to Scotty pretty much in anything that I'm doing across the board and the secondary problem that comes into play is we have a lot of players in the 9,000s. Patrick Cantley. Patrick Cantley to me would be the 1B option in this field. Like if Patrick Cantley was the second highest priced player, I would be more inclined to want to play him than I still would Victor Hovland or Xander. So if you're going to give me a price decrease there, plus, I mean, a projected ownership that looks the same, I would rather play Patrick Cantley. I would rather play Matthew Fitzpatrick. I would rather play Terrell Hatton. I would rather play Tommy Fleetwood. I think there's a lot of names in that 9,000 and even the $8,000 range as we move down 
that will possess a lot of value this week. Um, when that answer becomes, I am so heavy on one player in Scotty and the other players around him, while you know Xander has been great here, and I think that some of his problems do get removed from the equation just because he is a player that in Xander that his off the tee stuff sometimes hurts him. And at this venue, it doesn't as much. And like, that's a reason why he's found success, but I don't know if I can get there when I would rather go to some of those players beneath them. And then as far as Hovland is concerned, I'm just going to be out this week. It's not that I think he's going to falter necessarily. I know the results have not been great with the 31st, 30th and 18th over the past three years. I would expect him to provide the best finish that we've seen from him so far. But when you're paying $10,500 on specific sites out there for DFS, you still run into the problem that you're going to need win equity. And I kind of tend to think that his win equity is below and massively below some of these other options. I would rather have, if I'm directly comparing, I would almost rather play every single person other than Brian Harmon, and I understand you can create some leverage with him. I'm not going to get there, but I would pretty much rather play every person $9,000 and up than Hovland because the ownership is still there. The price tag is the second most. And I think that you can mix and match and find leverage options between like the Hattons, the Fleetwoods of the world that are going to be lower owned. And like, even if you're looking to take on a bunch of ownership and I, I don't hate the Colin Morikawa play. He's going to be very popular. I'm probably not going to get there very often if I do at all at this point. Like, I haven't officially removed him from the mix, but that's where we're trending at 30% right now. But um, it's just one of those spots where I think Hovland's a little bit overpriced specifically for this tournament when we look at his lack of a track record here, his troubles around the green and scrambling and this heightened price tag that while it is conducive probably to be in that area moving forward, I don't know that it is specifically for this event. Like there's a lot of built-in results that we've seen that are being baked into this total. Here's something gross for you. If I go to like GPP leverage inside my model, which is something I'm trying to work on a little bit to find like the highest implied probability that I have, and then kind of grade it over price and ownership. Top three guys, Scotty Scheffler, he who shall not be named Tony Finau and then Tommy Fleetwood. So, and Victor Hovland is right next to Tony Finau in my numbers for implied win probability, which is kind of nuts. Then when I wait the actual market, obviously Hovland takes a massive jump forward. That is, you know, waiting, you know, 20% of Circa pinnacle FanDuel draft, like whatever. I don't want my numbers strictly to be just me. I do want to bake in the market a little bit just so I get closer to, you know, the actual market pricing, and then I find the edges that I have. Tony Finau happens to be one of them, which scares the living shit out of me. But it's like, if you're going to play and play him in the GPP. So I'm okay with that. Uh, let's go down the board a little bit. I'll just talk about a couple of these guys. You mentioned Hatton at 9,200 on DraftKings. No one's going to play him. He's like right around 8 to 10%. So in terms of this field, that is very low ownership. But the guy that sticks out like a sore thumb and for me, like I usually would like to go to guys like this, especially in like football. I've had a great last two weeks by these mid upper tier wide receiver ones. So last week it was like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins was 6K and Chris Olave was like 6,800, 6,900, whatever the, Chris, uh, the price may be. It was something right around there. 
and they're both getting a ton of ownership. And then sitting right in the middle of both of them was DJ Moore at literally 1% ownership. My projection was right there with Chris Olave for DJ Moore. So I went to DJ Moore. That worked out fantastic. The week before that, you know who it was? Same situation. I don't remember what players it was that were right around him, but it was screaming Amari Cooper. No ownership in Amari Cooper. He has like a thousand points against the Texans. So it's like, I do like to just simply use like that little theory of like, can Wyndham Clark at 9,600 and no ownership get close to the guys around him that are garnishing some, some, uh, Fantasy ownership here of Matt Fitzpatrick at Max Homa. To me, the answer is no. Like, I know I have Wyndham Clark in the outright market at 75 to 1. Like, that just kind of screams the one of the markets was, I mean, it was Turka. So I do trust their numbers more than these automated sports books out there. But when he's that expensive on a fantasy outlet and then his numbers that different in the outright market, like someone's off. And I'm going to bet that DraftKings is off here and he is overpriced at 9,600. So I'm going to pass on Wyndham Clark because of how much I like Max Homa. And I do think Matt Fitzpatrick still has a little bit of leverage, although I do too. Over the last over the last twenty four hours and seeing your numbers and seeing where the market's going, I think I'd rather just find the extra. Uh, maybe they're actually the same price, aren't they? No, I'd go down five hundred dollars for Tommy Fleetwood at the same ownership projection, if not lower than Matt Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm going to power rank the $9,000 section. Like for me, it would be Fleetwood and Hatton would be the one, a, the one B. Um, and this would be ownership included in it. Like I think Cantley is the best play in the nine thousands if we remove ownership, but I think Cantley should be in the mix. Yeah. Uh, I think Wyndham Clark is the interesting one because if you do want the price to be off somewhere and for one of the places to be much more aggressive by thinking that they're going to do well, I do think you would rather it be for DFS contests because one that gives you the ability. I mean, you don't necessarily have to bet them in the outright market, but if you look for DraftKings, like it has changed the game entirely. Nobody wants to play a $9,600 Wyndham Clark. And I think that's where you can create some leverage. The one problem that I keep running into with Clark is I continuously want to play Hatton or Fleetwood more than him. So he's not like, yeah, so he's not finding his way in as frequently as I would like. But I do think that there's leverage there. I do think he has slate breaking potential because not very many people are going to go there. So I wouldn't necessarily be removing him from the mix. But um, I think it's one of those decisions that you're just going to have to figure out of how much risk you want to take in that area. But uh, I agree with you on Fitzpatrick, like the ownership is trending up. But I I tend to think that the ownership around Fitzpatrick and Cantlay are both probably lower than they should be. I think there's leverage to be found even with Cantley at like 20% or Fitzpatrick at this 15 to 16% mark. Um, it was much better when Fitzpatrick was like 9% on Monday. And then all of a sudden he's seen the steady uptick every single day. But uh, that's kind of where I am landing in the 9,000 range. I, I think Homa's fine. I- I'm out on Harmon. Like I'd rather create my leverage elsewhere. I think Morika was the one that we haven't talked about. At, for uh, I'm just out. I'm not playing the highest owned player in the field when I like Tommy Fleetwood as much as I do for damn near the same price. Let me ask you this. Let's say you're playing. We don't even need to get into an exact. I mean, if, if you're playing cash games, you're playing Morikawa. He's a free well, square at 9,100 pretty much in that ownership. I think for I think he's best played in a cash game, and that's that's that that is for sure. But let's say you're playing something small of a single entry. Um, does he jump any of the names that we've talked about of the Fleetwoods, the Hattons? 
because I have an answer to give here that might be a little bit different than yours. I would take him over Hatton, but I I mean, you could probably play both Kalamarkawa and Fleetwood in a small field single entry. I'm just, I'm all 100% out on Fleetwood all week long. Or I'm sorry, not Fleetwood, Morikawa, my bad, obviously. I love Fleetwood. Um, yeah, I mean, that's part of the issue, I guess. It's like when I look at it directly and I remove ownership from the mix, I, I think I like Fleetwood more and I probably like Hatton more. And so now you run into this position to where now when ownership does become a factor here, I don't even know if it necessarily gets better for me in in single entry builds. I do think for cash games, he's a very good play. I think he has a high built-in floor that's going to help, but uh, 30% owned versus a 10% owned, whether it's Hatton or Fleetwood, give me the leverage that can be created there for pretty much any sort of a contest of uh, any sort of a uh, GPP that I'm playing. I dig it. All right. Moving down the board a little bit. I got some interesting questions for you, I think. But all right. The highest discrepancy in underdog ADP. This guy is going pretty much exclusively in the first round. And this guy right behind him going kind of at the turn. In terms of where they're at price and DFS and where they're going in underdog. Ludwig, Aberg, and Tom Kim. My numbers seem to like Tom Kim a little bit. I'm kind of out in Ludwig. I, I don't know what to say about him. He's an absolute stud, but I think I'm going to sit sit this one out. I think both of those guys are out of my player pool this week. I'm out on Tom Kim. I'm probably in on Obear. Obear, just... whatever. I forgot he changed his name or they butchered it for the last 15 years when he was at Oklahoma State or whatever. But I'm trying to get it correct because I get in trouble enough for all the mispronunciations. Of Not me. on this show. We could say whatever we want. Texas Tech, too. See, look at that. I'm already fucking up like crazy this week. But, yes, Texas Tech. Now I go Oklahoma State. I don't know what I'm thinking here. Um, I, I think with Obear. Stud. That's kind of the thing. Like, you reach a point where, it, sure, if the ownership was way out of control with it. Like, I don't know what you're looking at right now, percentage-wise. So I have it a little bit. I have it a little bit lower. I have it at 25, but like, regardless, you're in the same range there. If he's not like 40, 50%, I do tend to think that anybody $8,000 and up, he's probably the most mispriced player. Um, you know, I would have, I would have him Fleetwood and Sung JM as the three most mispriced players from $8,000 and up. Sanjay. I do like Sanjay. No one seems to like Sanjay right now. Round two underdog. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I, I think ownership 15, 15% I'm seeing for him. I think Sung Jay's going to have a nice bounce back year here in 2024. We saw him turn it around at the end of 2023, and um, he does fit this course very well. All right, let's go to low AKs and below. Is there anybody you think like, because this is where I think the money's going to be made this week, is like what guy do you get different with? Cameron Davis is starting to become extremely popular. I'm seeing 20%. To me, he's still worth it. I think he's mispriced. He checks every single box that I'm looking for. I talked about him yesterday on Action Network. I think that is a guy that has a monster, monster year. If anything, you know, he sprays the driver a little bit like Jordy. Short game's there. Putting's been outrageous the last couple tournaments that he's played. And the iron play's fantastic. So, you know, I don't think he's going to miss a lot of greens. So if we need him to rely on the short game, that was also fantastic in 2023. So I have nothing wrong to say about Cameron Davis. We also talked about all the uh, Australian success at this course. 
and he detended it his first time out in 2022. So I'm in. I think 7,100 for a guy with his upside. We're betting on upside here. I think with how different my lineups are, I, I could afford to play a guy like that. My general roster construction is weird this week because where I'm getting different is near the top past the Scotty Scheffler answer. Like it's, it's all the Fleetwood Hattons. I'm going to, I haven't mentioned Sam Burns. I'm going to play Sam Burns this week. I, I are, think that there's. Are you out on fee now? Sorry to cut you off. I'm starting like, to. My numbers like that off on him. I like, again, I said I'd never do it. And we're already, week, like him. we're week one into the new year's resolution and I'm getting sucked back in markets like him i guess my biggest concern is you're definitely seeing an uptick in ownership so i don't and it's not that we're at some massive number but i, I do think that this was different when you were creating i don't think he surpasses 10 percent. what do you have him at i have him at eight right now so that's what i had him at and, and then i updated right before we came on the show and he jumped to 14 percent. i feel like people are just going to go back and inflate Sanjay a little bit. I don't think Burns will get any ownership. I don't think Cam Young will get any ownership. I'm sure shit. Jason Day, I don't think is going to get any ownership. Whether that's good well, or bad, I'll, I'll, I could I'll play like, a lot. Of, I mean, yeah, I'll yeah, try to go. get that up. But yeah. All right. No, I, I continue. Mean, I sorry. No, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. I, I think it probably lands somewhere between like that eight to 15% mark. But like if you're directly comparing him with. I don't want to compare him to O'Bear because if the ownership is 30%, now we're talking about different players. If it's not like a 20 versus 15% sort of thing. Um, well, let's just say he's 15%. If it's inflating, him well, or let me, let me ask you this. Yeah. Would you rather play him or Sungjae? I'd rather play. T- oh man. Well, looking at my numbers, it would say I would like to play Tony Fino by a wide margin. Really? Yeah, even when it's weighted to the market, like you said, though the market likes Fino. The market loves Fino. That's been yeah. I'm, I'm going with Fino. Son of a bitch, we're back in. Let's go. <laughs> I hate it, but no, I'd rather play. Uh, I'd rather play Fino. I'd rather play Sungjae, but uh, I also play Sungjae every week. Yes, you do. Uh, I, I think for me, looking like what I was going to say is when you look at my builds, I kind of get different with the Burnses of the world, the Hattons, the Fleetwoods, all of those options I'm taking. I kind of tend to think, and and I never land under this perspective. I kind of tend to think that the $7,000 range where all the chalky options are kind of think that the general public got it correct. I, I like Eric Cole this week. I, 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 the price is just too cheap. Like 25% reached, for Eric Cole, I'm I'm going to be a pass. I don't know. I think he's really good, Nick. I know he's really good. That's why I bet him, but my numbers seem to agree. But I think that's going to be my exposure. Like Lucas Glo- I'd rather have Corey Connors than Eric Cole. I, okay. For $100 more, but I, times a million. I'd rather have Justin Rose, I think, too. So I think good chalk for me would be Cameron Davis, JT Poston, I love posting Eric Cole. I think those are the three good chalk options that I'm not going to try to talk anybody out of. I think you can, that's find probably a, a cash game start. I'm sorry. I keep cutting you off, but like, if you put those three, then you could afford all the chalk up top. I think that's damn near like probably the optimal that a lot of these optimized are going to spit out. Cause every projection in the world loves cam Davis. JT Poston is still one of the higher values out there and Eric Cole grades insanely well. So 
for everybody. Everybody's talking about air cool. I think I think that's the optimal route to go for cash game contests. And I think like as builds become more into that single entry range, I think you can mix and match those names in. I do think you can still find a way to play those. Like maybe you don't want to be playing all three together in, in one of these large field contests. I do think you can find a way to put all three in. But what I was going to say, just to go back to the Corey Connors point, I do think Connors is probably the one name in that section for me that if you are trying to get unique and different with a build, Connors is probably my favorite option in the $7,000 range to do that. Quality ball striker, you would make the argument that the Sony Open is probably even a better tournament for him than this event will be. But I think Connors is a top 20 option that's currently going off the board as a, I have his ownership outside the top 35 right now in this yep. field. So I think you can create leverage in that spot. And I guess very similar answer to be given with Justin Rose. Like, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to get there. I, I texted you and for full transparency, and this won't shock anybody that this question came up to you. I asked because my numbers love Jason Day over Justin Rose in a head-to-head matchup for round one. I inevitably did not punch that ticket. I don't want to start 2024 losing money on Jason Day. Like that's that's not in the New Year's resolution. <laughs> like, like it needs to have one tournament where Jason Day's not included in it, but it was more of a reason of how much my model liked Day's upside than anything else. I think Rose is okay. Like, I think he's under consideration as a spot to try to get different because for me, if, if we start running through a lot of these, like, let's just start with Keegan at 7,900. I'm almost out on like any of these other people that you want to talk about. Like I, I'm, I, I am so much lower than you on Lucas Glover, but I am completely out on Lucas Glover. I'm, I'm going to be out this week on Russell Henley. I think the Sony open next week is the event that you're going to want to play him for. Oh, I'm cool. personally ha- out on Harris English. Um, what about uh, I'm so Harris English, what's your downside with him? If no one's going to play him and his game is starting to come back into form, at least it was at the end of 2023, I guess the irons kind of were in and out, but to finish top 10 in the BMW was, that was impressive. And maybe it's just because it's a Chicago land tournament and I, I don't know. I've always liked Harris English, but I don't. You like Grio or Denny? Because like someone's got to be not, not someone's got. Or, or do you like Siwu? I, I you could you could sell me on Siwu. Oh God, his putter is just awful. I mean, if there's any time to be a comparable putter, it'd be here, right on these massive screens. You know who my model really They're likes? Slow. My model really likes this player, and the market hates him. So just gonna preface it with that. My model really likes Adam Hadwin. I don't mind Adam Hadwin. I think he's safe. I think that's it, though. That's fair. That's kind of the problem with Hadwin is you lack upside at a certain point. But So to me, uh, I feel like Harris English has more upside. Oh, I, I agree with that. I, I just worry that Harris is, and I know that you can take those boomer bust approaches. It's a no-cut tournament where there's no ownership, but like there's certain specifics within my model that like, great Harris English in the bottom five of this field to like, think he's going to implode. Damn it. Okay. I didn't need that. Cause my lineup was calling for someone in that price range. I think Hadwin, would, would you go with Hadwin? I had, it's tons of upside other than that. Uh, it, I, I think if I was to throw a random dart on somebody, I mean, McCarthy is fine. I'm not necessarily out on him. I, I, I've heard nobody talk about this other player, but I mean, Kurt Kitayama had a little bit of potential for me in my model. I think like can't afford that, him. It's got to be seventy three hundred or less. Um, I mean, I'd probably go 
Denny or Siwoo based or, or Hadwin based off of that answer. No one likes Hadwin. Or, or Chris on. Kirk, if you want to leave some money on the table. I do like Chris Hadwin's, Kirk. Hadwin's one of the last players drafted on underdog. So that's who I've been going to in GPPs just because I the same answer I gave you. He sounds safe, you know? Yeah. All right. One more question on the 7Ks and we'll go to give me two punts. We'll get out of here. Keep the show under an hour. I know that's uh, tough to begin, tough to believe to start the year, but we're uh, we're turning a new leaf. We're going to make this quicker show. Seth Straka, seventy eight hundred. I'm probably out. You're out, or you're not out. Give me. A, I'm I'm probably. I markets love him. I my model does not. Okay, because when I go to my weighted one where it does inflate the market, it likes him. If I look at my own, it does not. Chris Kirk grades okay for me. I do like him too. I always like Chris Kirk though. I've had. Some big weeks by going overweight Chris Kirk. So it's more of like the biasy for me, but I still think I'd rather have Adam Hadwin. I think Kirk and Hadwin are very close. You could And the market likes Hadwin too, doesn't it? Uh I mean he's an underdog at any of the sharper books to Spenson. He's a favorite over Akshay, favorite over Andrew Putnam over at Pinnacle. I didn't see the matchup with uh who was the first? Oh, Svensson. I mean, Svensson. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the chalk in the 6K range. Svensson going to be over 10%. Akshay, probably just because, it, I don't know. He, see, people seem to know him. Like, he does a really good job getting his name out there. I don't think this is a great spot for him. Luke List, probably just because he has course history. One of the only ones any won recently on tour. What he, he won Sanderson, right? So yeah. take that for whatever that's worth. I like down here. I'm going to fade all of that chalk, so... Luke List out of my player pool. Akshay out of my player pool. I think Vincent Norman, too, is a trendy name. I do think he's got a ton of game, but I don't love this spot for him. I'm seeing 7 to 8% on him. I'm going to be out. I think if I had to choose one player to play, it would be Svensson, and I would stick to probably a cash game format for Svensson. I like Patrick Rogers, man. I do, too. I think that's the guy that it's a good course fit. Another guy that sprays the driver, has decent short game, and obviously can put the hell out of the rock. And he can hit a long way. He has played here. I, I like Patrick Rogers. If I had to go down that cheap for a guy that certainly has cut missing equity, you don't need to worry about that this week, but has a ton of upside, can make a ton of birdies. I'm going to go with a guy that can put it like Patrick Rogers. I feel like there's, and, and maybe this is the contrarian route here a little bit, but it, or at least the mindset that I always try to take, but I feel like there's a lot of guys in the $6,000 section that while you may not want to be, mixing and matching them over and over again in the same builds. I do think there's a lot of options to consider. So we've talked about Chris Kirk. I think the ownership is going to be relatively low on him. I think Ben on like out of sight, out of mind with him. Um, yeah. I know that that's one of the more popular routes that people are going. And, and I think that's just because we've seen like, he is the biggest market mover. He opened at a lot of shops around that 150 to one mark. He's more down into that hundred to one range now. So uh, at the bare minimum, he's gotten money on him, whether it's credible or not, I guess kind of remains to be seen, although he is a favorite in every single matchup at any of the sharper books that you look at. So I don't have a problem going to him. Um, I think Mackenzie Hughes is worth considering. I think Taylor Moore is worth considering. I like Patrick Rogers at that price. Like that's going to be where I'm going to also take a stand myself. And then, the one player that if you're kind of looking for that, like, let's hope they found something mold here. My model really likes Seamus Power. I know he's been terrible. Ugh. He has burned me over and over again. Friend of the show. 
Yeah, I, I, my hope would be that he has kind of or like had positive regression back to his baseline results that I have. You look at him on soft, slow surfaces, third in my model. You look at him historically on these easy scoring tracks. He's 10th or ninth for me, sorry. He's also inside the top 11 when you get these easy to hit fairways and limited rough. My hope would be that taking a little bit of time off, you get him an easy course to get going to start the year and he could work his way up the leaderboard. I think if you play him, nobody else is going to. But uh, for me, it would probably be looking for pure upside, probably be Kirk, Seamus, Rogers as my three favorites. All right. There you have it. I'm going to give my cash game core. We'll go core four, four of six. That's probably too many, but let me know if you disagree with anybody. We're put, are we putting Scotty in? Just lock him in, or should we go with value and let people decide what they want to do at the top of the board? I think we should go Scotty. And, you know, if we're trying to be original on this show, while it is widely frowned upon to give entire lineups, I think we just call it sticks is six. All we right. Sticks all, six. all right. Here's my cash game lineup then. Fuck it. <laughs> Morikawa, Svensson, Cam Davis, Poston. If you're saying Scotty, we're going Scotty. That leaves $9,000. You want Fleetwood or Tom Kim? Ownership would say Tom Kim. I think we still get a little bit different in cash. I would rather have Fleetwood. I would also rather have Fleetwood. Nice. All right. If In my weighted numbers, I'm losing 0.1% in weight equity by going from Tommy Fleetwood to Tom Kim. In my unweighted, I gained 0.17% to Tommy Fleetwood. I'd say that's a wash, right? We're taking Fleetwood. Yeah, you always have to trust your own numbers. All right, let's keep this on record, too. We'll do this this year. So that is the lineup. If we change it, I don't know if we're allowed to tweet it because <laughs> technically it's lineup sharing or something like that. DraftKings make it piss, but we're going Maury, Svensson. I like Svensson now that you mentioned it. Like, one of his worst putting performances of the year was at the Century last year. I, I like to think that that is going to regress to the mean that he is a very good putter and he will figure it out. Because other than that, the ball strike is elite, especially yeah. long irons. Yeah. I, right. I, I think you, I, I also think like it, it's worth noting that when you deal with a no cut tournament, I do think you have to shoot for a little bit more upside. And that would be like the only thing that pushes me against Adam Hadwin in some of these. I know we're this, we're talking specifically cash here, but even for cash, I think you have to be marginally, more aggressive in some of these spots. Like that would be the only thing that slightly shifts is even a cash game lineup to me becomes worth it to be a little bit more under that mentality of like, let's go for it a bit just because everybody's guaranteed four rounds of golf. All right. I love it. Here we go. First of hopefully many sticks is cash six. We're calling it. Cause a lot of these guys, I'm not touching in a tournament more Svensson, Cam Davis, JT Poston, Scotty Scheffler and Tommy Fleetwood. If you want to send me a head to head or something like that on DraftKings. That will be my lineup. I'll put in the head-to-head. So if you want to get different and think that lineup sucks, tweet me and uh, let's let's get after it. Let's keep it for like a respectable amount of money. I don't want to play you heads up for like two grand every week. But um, if you're out there and you're listening, you want to do a head-to-head, let's have some fun. It'll give us some content next week to talk about once you kick my ass. But um, Spencer, it's great to be back, buddy. I'm excited for the week 18 football slate as well. You can find our content over there at win daily sports you can find all of spencer's stuff pretty much across the whole twitter stream nowadays right you got roto ballers obviously your your main home everything on action network is there anything else you're doing this week that people can find yet find the show that i did over at win daily uh obviously we are sponsored here with underdog fantasy i uh, i don't know i'm a lot of places at this point nick yeah, so. spencer's a brand whore who you know who's ever gonna 
let him talk about Jason Day. I think he's just he's going to hop on and talk about it. Well, yeah, real quick with underdog must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama, and Nebraska must be present in a state where underdog fantasy operates. Terms do apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. In New York, call the 24-7 Hope line at 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. Spencer, outside of Saudi Scheffler, who wins this tournament? And I'll let you go. I'm, I feel like I should be saying Tommy Fleetwood wow. because that's I the not, other I would not, I would not think that I, I, I'm going to say, even though I don't have a wager on this, which is a mistake at this point, I think Terrell Hatton's going to win this event. Whew. All right. That's a ballsy ticket. I will go with something I backed financially. I'm going with Jordan Spieth. Spieth. Yeah. Let's do I it. think. I think the speed boomer bus nature is definitely worth consideration in the outright market. And like, that's, I, I may be a little bit more of a believer that that like 22 to one price might still have a little bit of value there. But I, I, I know we're playing in an action network one and done contest together. I assume that you took speed. That's the route I was going to go myself originally on this changed it to Fleetwood. I think I'm going to go Hatton now. So we have, <laughs> yeah, I'm, all I, dude, I, I tinkered out of so many winners last year. I chose Jordan Spieth on Monday. I'm sticking with Jordan Spieth this week. That's probably the way to go. And you overthink things. It never ends well, but you can find Nick on Twitter at sticks picks. I am at TF sports. If you have any questions about the week from any perspective, whether it's underdog DraftKings, betting, please feel free to reach out to us at one of those handles. And as I said at the beginning, use the code BGP to get a $100 match bonus over on Underdog Fantasy. The site is buzzing with different sports that you can play weekly when diving into either their best ball drafts or pick them contests. Uh, remember, Underdog has everything you need to gain action for the week for any sport. And also be on the lookout for drafts to compete against the better golf team. And now that we've added this, take Nick on in cash game contests over on DraftKings. So, Thanks again for all the support everyone is showing us out there. We are very glad to be back. We will see you guys here again next week.